Are you ready for the weekend yet? We have events, news, and a guest for you to enjoy this Lake Life weekend. Hello and welcome to another episode of Lake Life Weekend Podcast. This is Dirk and we are approaching weekend 24. We are full in swing of summer and come to Perm. We have Turtle Fest starting Thursday night all weekend till Sunday. It's going to be fun and come with the kids and get some turtle racing done. I think it's every Wednesday. So check out our website lakelifeweekend.com for daily updates and uh, details about such events. Thank you for tuning in. We have a really interesting story today. I met with Holly and Dante about the product Zebra Shield, which is not eliminating the zebra muscle problem in your lake. But if you have zebra muscles, it will protect your water equipment, such as docks and lifts and anything like that um, to be a surface for zebra mussels to attach to. So stay tuned to listen to the whole story. Really interesting invention from NDSU, in fact. Um, yeah, and we have some um, competition coming up on our website. Uh, follow us on Facebook. We are giving away some things this season. So please check that out. You can win something. And also I'm very proud because this Friday we will have our latest issue of the magazine available. It's coming to the stands this this Friday, uh, the summer issue of our Lake Life Weekend magazine. If you would like to subscribe, we send you a magazine to wherever you're listening to um, free of charge. So send us your mailing address to hello at lakelifeweekend.com. So we go analog with our magazine and we will go analog with distributing the magazine to you. So if you want to hold it in your hands, please let us know. It's going to be pretty, of course. We can also, you can also see it and read it online. There is a link um, on the navigation to our, it's called issue, <laughs> to our summer issue on issue.com I suppose um, so you can also read it digital I don't want to keep this much longer from our interview with Dante and Holly um, about Zebra Shield and uh, maybe you have seen them at the expo they had a little booth the past couple of years so now you can actually pick up the product at um, our partner Lakeland in Dunvilla it's also one of our pickup destinations for our magazine Thank you very much for tuning in and I have you enjoy this uh, issue and have a wonderful weekend ahead. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome to our interview part. I'm here with Holly and Dante. Hello, you two. Hello. Hi, nice to be here. You are from Zebra Shield and you made an invention to protect water product in our lakes from invasive species. Um, you have been to our expo the past two years. We met uh, a little while ago, but before we talk uh, Zebra Shield and your invention, um, I was going to ask you to introduce yourself a little bit, uh, who's Holly and who's Dante and uh, how you came up with the idea. and. You're actually a husband and wife uh, business owner, I understand. We are. 
So that is uh, also unique. And uh, Dante is from Italy, and uh, you are from Minnesota. I am. And uh, yeah, why do doesn't one of you begin to tell us the story of you and Zebra Shield? Well, I'm from Italy, from the northeast of Italy, from a village called Terlago, so three lakes in the valley of the lakes, at the start of this 30 miles long uh, valley in the Dolomites, where there are a lot of lakes. So I've been um, grew, growing up with water and lakes and came to the US a couple times before coming to Fargo. But I came for graduate school at NDSU to study polymers and coatings and paints and coatings in particular. And uh, What is that? Coatings? Coatings. Like chemistry? Like chemist it's a branch of chemistry that deals with uh, the protective paints that uh, are on everything we, everything we touch. If we look around, everything is coated. So the cars are coated for colors, uh, your iPhone is coated for uh, conductivity and protection, and everything else is coated. And so there is a department at NDSU that deals exactly with that. So we develop and study uh, the new materials and the new coatings for the, for the new generation of products and stuff like that. In the process, I met Holly, who is from here, and helped me to come out a little bit from uh, the scientist shell and actually appreciate the area a little bit better. I came in the winter, so my first year was like very, very hard because I started in a blizzard, and so it took me <laughs> many, many months <laughs> to get out of the dorms and actually getting out of Fargo and seeing what's and around what's around here. <laughs> I knew there were lakes but I didn't see them for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> so you came from Italy and you had a did you have a culture shock? Like yes, it took me two <laughs> years to <laughs> to be okay here. Oh really? Mm -hmm. How long have you been here? I came in 2001, so 18, 19 years oh, now. Now I'm okay. <laughs> but at the beginning I was <laughs> it was very hard. Okay. <laughs> the beginning I would ask you if you had been to a place outside of Fargo, like close by, like maybe even Detroit Lakes. No, where's that? Have you ever been to Fergus Falls? No, where's that? Have you ever been to this state park or that lake? No, where's that? I said, you got to get out of town, man. You got to get out of the lab. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I studied and worked in a lab for the first two years. Yeah. So early, early on when we uh, were together, I really wanted to get out to Lakes Country, and somebody in Dante's lab told him that they were selling their family boat, that their dad was selling the family boat. <laughs> and Dante came home and said, you know, I, maybe we could buy this boat. I mean, it's an old boat, but it's like a speed boat. What do you think? He said, it's in Jamestown. And I said, well, we don't even have a pickup to go pick up the boat. So he showed a picture, and I think he wanted, what, $2,000, not even, yeah, less than $2,000 for this boat. Um, and uh, so I looked on Craigslist, found a pickup truck for $200 <laughs> in, no, the pickup truck City. was in Valley City, so it was on the way to Jamestown. <laughs> I called the guy with the pickup, and I said, I'll buy it. Does it run? He said, yes. Does it have a hitch? Yes, I'll buy it. <laughs> then I had to go to the cash machine, because he only took cash. We got there. It was this enormous extended cab, old 19, brown F-150. 1980 or something like Extended that. cab, huge box. So it was like 24 feet long total. <laughs> and I said, 
and it was rusty and it was pretty ugly. But I said, um, Hitch, yes, okay, good. We got in. He said, right before I left, he said, oh, by the way, first gear doesn't work. You just have to go straight into second gear. <laughs> I said, good enough. And we drove it to uh, Jamestown and this and friend was picking us, had the boat in the uh, parking lot. We hooked it up to the pickup truck, which we nicknamed Charlie Brown. <laughs> And we hauled it back to Detroit Lakes. Well, we hauled it back home. We cleaned it up. And um, we had to redo it. We took out all the seats, put a new carpet, put new seats in. And it was a 16-foot fiberglass speedboat, 1974. Yeah, something like that. Um, Check but me. it had a huge it had a huge motor. It was like a 150-horsepower mm-hmm. on this little boat. So it really roared. It was fun. And then we came to Detroit Lakes and got a slip. And... Um, Really? And we spent a lot of time actually down in Detroit Lakes. Mm-hmm. At the marina, right those, there at the those at the early lake, years. Yeah, by the pavilion. Yeah, by the pavilion. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. yeah. So the beginning of your lake life yeah. in Lakes. Yeah. Like yeah. yeah. Nice. They, and you call know what? It, they called it the vintage. Our neighbors <laughs> that they had a humongous big big uh, new boat they call oh you have a vintage is that your really vintage like that. instead of saying your old crappy boat they said is that your vintage boat it was real cute had a little Minnesota white canopy. nice huh? so yeah. I learned all the lingo and all and that. learned all about keeping your boats yeah. did it fire up always when you wanted it to no it would leave us in the lake all the time and in fact the other day we were out at Lake Minnewaska which looks a lot like Detroit Lakes if you've never been there down by Painesville Minnesota and uh we we heard this boat kind of chugging, you know, on shore, like trying to get started. And both of us were like, oh, that's a familiar sound. <laughs> <laughs> like kind of like it wouldn't turn over, you know. And we was oh yeah, okay. I think we but, spent the equivalent of sleep rent and gas in uh, in uh, in repairs at the shop. So. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? It was fun. Too. It was fun. Our Very friends fun. would come out. We go. Still runs. We don't have too much. We time. We still have it in the oh, bar. Oh, you still have it? Oh we yeah. Still have it. We don't have too much time. To Basically, actually it's a mouse do. nest, I think, right now. But <laughs> anyone <laughs> wants a vintage 1974? I had a 1974. Super cool. I, it would be super cool here. It, it's it's bright red, and then it has a white like it had a full a vinyl cap, canopy. Yeah. Like you could close it and sleep in there like a tent almost. I'm um, interested. It was super cool. The canopy now has is pretty rough shaped, but but we you could use it as a template to get a new one done, and it would be pretty cool. Well, Fun little boat. So so yeah. you enjoyed so lake life very much. In then the we decided to start a company, and then we that was the end of our lake life. <laughs> but you <laughs> also we were too busy. Life. Tell us, uh, Holly, you grew up in Park Rapids area. Yeah, on a farm. Mm-hmm. And you both have land in that direction. Well, we have the farm. Yep, ah. we still have the farm. Um, so between Dante's, when we go home to Italy, uh, his village, which is, yeah, the, the valley of the lakes, um, and his mom, where he grew up, his mom still lives there, his sister still lives there. It's literally, you can see the lake. The little lake mm-hmm. is there. It has um, great Italian style, you know, it has a little ice cream place and a little like an pub and a pizza place and... They're always out fishing and lots of uh, and make life and happening. It's, um, it's glacier water, so it's very, very cold. It's even refreshing. In, even, even, uh, even in July. Yeah. Not too many people want to <laughs> jump in <laughs> cold on that. But it's, it reminds me of the, of the lakes in North Minnesota. Yeah, in June when it's never like... Very, never very, very warm water-wise. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's kind of similar. So you go to Italy regularly and you spend time in the f on the farm in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. And then you decide, is that your first company that you founded or is it many companies that um, you founded? No, this is our first company, Eleanor, um, Eleanor Coatings. And our first couple products were for protective coatings for corrosion. That's kind of Dante's that's spe specialty. That's my specialty. Um, one was for aluminum and one is for art and architecture for bronze. And then being out in Lakes Country and because we don't have our own cabin, we don't use our own boat anymore. We just, of course, do what everybody else does. That's in that guest. situation. You go to your friends up. and your family's places. That's right. <laughs> and, you know, back when we had our boat out, that's what early 2000s, like 2006, mm -hmm. five, six, and zebra mussels, people were talking about it but start, it wasn't really start complaining about here it. yet it was already in the great lakes and east of the mississippi and uh there were already dnr was already putting in flyers in your mailers you know with your property taxes saying be careful of invasive species and looking for things but zebra mussels were still kind of not on the yeah. radar and then about 2010 11 uh they started to come this way they were found in uh, Pelican, I think, was the first big lake where everybody just realized, oh my, they're here. And now they're in Cormorant. Now they're in about 250 lakes yeah. in Minnesota, including Detroit Lakes, where we had our slip. And there is a big report from the DNR with, yeah. all, the, with all the infested waters. It's pretty sad to see how, how many body of water now they are. They're growing to. They're growing to. Yeah. The DNR. In the first years, the idea was how do we get rid of them? If they're how do we how do we get them out of your lake if we have them in your lake? But the only way they were looking at that problem really was from the water, and there's natural mussels. So there are mollusks and little mussels in our lakes. We don't notice they're little, just like our little tiny um, like what are those little seashell. You know, oh. yeah. What are those little things mm -hmm. that you see? Um, we don't have big water animals in freshwater lakes said fish but but they are native species so to not kill a native species but to kill the invasive species you have to treat a lake and then it's usually some sort of poison and we of course coming from coatings the first thing Dante thinks about is well okay, how can a coating <laughs> how can a coating help it and the problem at least for people besides that they're a little sharp and if they're on the bottom of your lake that's mm -hmm. a problem Cut. is our stuff you know we don't want them stuck to our stuff and he's like well i can fix that i can't eradicate them from a lake or necessarily stop the spread but if you have them before people really hadn't there's nothing they could do they right. could just hope maybe somebody else was working on the problem on a big level like the dnr But so there's was nothing it, else a homeowner could was do. it at a bonfire over a beer or how did you even Actually, work tackling the Pro, like how were you brought up with the invasive species and then like oh yeah I can probably yeah. paint it somehow so I I don't even I didn't even do that type of protective coating at that time I was doing more aircraft type of materials my specialty is aluminum but flying aluminum we say the one that so we were working more on uh, protective coatings for airplanes And then I heard a c in a conference that that's the one of the city of the Great Lakes, I don't remember if it was Chicago or something, sends divers 
every two or three months to scrape the, the grates that are, uh, that are protected, the intakes for the potable water. And so every, oh. every two or three months, so it's four times a year or more, somebody has to go in the water and scrape them manually spending a lot of time and w and, uh, and a lot of energy doing because that. They because they clog up the pipes. The problem is that and when these they pipes are 8, 10 feet in diameter. These are huge. A person can stand up inside and these they pipes clog and they will clog they it. Have, they can you imagine the, the millions yeah. of... That, that one in particular had a grate on the top of it and it was... And they attach to the metal of the grate and then they attach to each other and then to each other blah blah and they are very fast for that and they would just close the entire... No kidding. Exactly, and so we were thinking, we were thinking, I was sitting there with a couple of my students, at that time I had a little group of students and we were like, we can do something at least to help them get, in, get in to solve that problem. And so we started thinking about it and we, and we wrote a little, a little grant proposal to the, uh, to the North Dakota Department of Commerce and we got some money to develop that and that one was probably 2013 that area and so we got a little money and we started putting down some formulations on uh, on a piece of paper. So it's chemistry at that point it's just like okay what do they not stick yes. to? So, so we are good uh, at least what I think I'm good with my group we are when we have a problem to solve we're pretty good in coming up with a solution. So we knew that we were supposed to protect Steel. a grate, a metal thing immersed into the water and so we started coming up with some solution this and we would didn't really want to use poisons so we went to the to the side of having creating a surface that is slippery so when the zebra mussel comes and tries to attach no it doesn't, it doesn't you can't really see Dante's hand <laughs> motions right now but it helps me it helps me he's to a visualize. little zebra muscle so with the zebra threads trying so to they have they have a probe <laughs> and they probe the surface and so in our mind if we create a surface that's that is not that is not rough attractive. like the aluminum yeah. no it would just slip out and decide to go somewhere else and so in that one um, it seems to work. So okay, so it is a very <laughs> actually it's a it's a evident problem, and then it's actually a fairly easy solution. Yeah, you yes. you it's kind of like a let's the say a wax. Is easy, right? Yeah, yeah. Some sort of a let's just think it's a wax that I put. It's so slippery mm -hmm. uh, uh, that the zebra mussel decides to no, that's not my surface. That's not my surface. I go somewhere else, and 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 then uh, it took a few years to refine and put in different ingredients because we also wanted something that was a little durable so okay. people would not have to do two Re or three application per year because when your stuff is it in the water... It has to last the year, right? right? You put your stuff in and you're not going to take it out again in the middle of the season. So And so that one worked, worked okay. So it came out of the university first and when we had some success, we licensed it from the business side and now we are making a... Pro a commercial product out of that so now uh, we are already pretty far into zebra shield let's say mm -hmm. um, it was that easy let's just say <laughs> no. is, do you have a patent uh, like was is that is the formula patented protected so yes and it's uh, uh, protected at the university and then we had the, the we have the commercial license now that's the question. Who owns so the, the the since you were a scientist of NDSU, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. actually NDSU is the patent holder. 
and, and then you purchased yes. a licensing the agreement rights, yes. uh, and to turn it into a product to develop it yep. so the technology the university in the lab we created the technology that is the, the base concept. of the concept and then a, a company licenses that technology to make it into a product is so that's just diving into that real quick mm -hmm. uh, um, is that how like it's, it's a NDSU is a research university, nevertheless. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's also how they generate revenue, yeah. So Some, that's yes. their technology transfer. The technology. So when they talk about technology transfer, that's any place that's doing research. It could be private, but a lot of times it's public, like universities. Will generate intellectual property. Invention, They'll generate invention. recipes and ideas and inventions. And if they don't have a tech transfer office then they have to either publish that information for everybody to use or they just kind of keep it and nobody ever really gets to <laughs> to, to use that. So a lot of places like universities have a technology transfer office and when the scientists say, hey, we have something really cool that seems to work and I bet it would make a good product. It's not just for basic research, but actually this might be a product. They bring it to the tech transfer and those are the people that are experts in patents and trademarks they been, they and with the lawyers. business stuff. And they're the ones that then take it, push it through the process of saying, is this actually a technology that could be patented? Mm -hmm. If so, they do it, they pay for it. That's a, usually a kind of a separate arm of the university because they're yep. doing commercial stuff. And then they market it to businesses. That's their job, is to go out and say, hey, big company, little company. Procter & Gamble, do you yeah, want to buy you that? Yeah, want this? Exactly. Something. And as a scientist, it's something that is nobody teaches you when you come up with your doctorate. And so that one was a field experience for me to just do it from both sides, as an inventor on one side and as a licensee on the other side. It's something that is very gray and obscure it's to, kind a of a big, to a lot right, of the science. blurry area, but it's super interesting. In NDSU, what happens is the tech transfer office handles all that. But when there's questions with the patent agency about the science, of course, they have to go back to the inventors and say, uh, can you explain this science stuff? And this <laughs> can take years, years of back and forth to get the patent. And while they're doing that, that's when you have that patent pending Status. status. The tech technology transfer office is also shopping this out, like who wants to take this and turn it into a product? Um, because the best scenario is that at the same time they get the patent actually awarded, a company's already signed up and ready to turn it into a product. And the best example of that is egg for NDSU. So they do a ton of research in egg that usually turns into brand new um, seeds, brand new. Varieties. Agriculture varieties, a lot of this stuff, um, you know, their breeding programs are known. So they had a lot of interest or experience in that. They had no experience in licensing coatings. They had never licensed a coating, sure. even though the department is the oldest coatings department in the U.S. It's over really? 100 years old. We started in 1905. 1905. We traced, we traced the experiments between 1905 and 1906. Your department? Yeah, yeah. So wow. they've been doing all this research, but really never commercialized the product. Yeah. So, and when they do, when we came along and said, Eleanor wants to, all of our products actually came out of NDSU research. Um, now we've got a few of our own sort of bubbling, but our first three products all came from NDSU research that we licensed. And it's very m minimal when you license it. It's just 
lab viable. They've come up with something in the lab. They test it in the lab. They say, I think this works. As it's a like company, a it's like a seed. Yeah, you still have to like grow it. You have to turn it into. Can I manufacture yeah. it? <laughs> Give it? You have to do all the tests. You have to do the field trials. You have to see if there's people who want to buy it. So there's still a lot of work when you when you license it, but um, after you license it, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. the technology transfer and then the the tech transfer office when they get a royalty fee back paid from a company actually selling this. A little bit goes back to that department that invented it to sure. help cover the cost. A little bit, very tiny little bit, goes back to the actual researchers. Um, some, A lot of it goes back to NDSU, just yeah. in the general fund. And then, of course, a bunch goes back to the technology transfer office so that they can keep, they can keep yeah. doing, that. doing what they do because not every product gets transferred. Sure. Some products when you do just that for the com- When you do don't. that for the company, this cycle stops at the company headquarters. Right. And nothing else trickles anywhere else. So... Sometimes working for a university has a good, yeah, has a good point. On yeah. That, on that. So you started. Uh, do you, Holly, have like a business background? Are you also a chemistry background? No, no, I'm marketing business. Okay. I don't have a chemistry background. So, so your role at Eleanor Coatings is the business operational. Yes. yes. And you are the yeah. Science. She does all the labels, the communication, all the visuals. She is the face of the company with all with the websites and everything else. And I. And I do the more the more technical and customer supports and and stuff like that. The thing that I will like doing is doing new products and build a company. I have to stay a little bit, just say calm because we have to, how do you say, put the products in the market before doing new ones and so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is my mind always well, works on solving the technology app. Problems. You know, these guys have a lab. They want to be in the lab making new stuff. Right. No. It, 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 <laughs> so we try to balance that out. Even this new product for zebra mussels has gone through many iterations, and you discover things that work really well. But one challenge is that we're not allowed to have zebra mussels. You can't have a tank in your lab full of zebra mussels where you stick a piece of metal and see if they stick. How do you test it? Exactly. So we they have go to a lake. you have like to go to a lake, really? and of course yeah. here you can only do that. You know, so, so many. So we have to do a lot of work during the winter, and then a lot of tests during the summer, and then another big so chunk slow. of work into the, into the into the winter. So it's all real the time. The development is yeah. very is very slow, slow for that. So you pass all that since 2013, mm-hmm. 2011, mm-hmm. 2013. You got uh, uh, it's patent pending, or is there a patent already? It's still pending. It's pending, and now you already purchased the license, mm-hmm. and now there's Zebra Shield. Yep, we've developed and it and manufactured it and tested it. And, and it's, it's available in a bucket. I saw it's that. It's available. So, yes. so, so now we have a product that actually the consumer it's consumer ready, so it people is. can buy it. Yep. And have uh, have you been successfully? Do you have customers? This is our first summer, so first summer you can actually go. Can I pitch it? Do- you can go down Zebra to Dunvilla, oh. you know your favorite hardware store, Lakeland, and pitch for them. Go have some breakfast at the corn. Cafe. The cornfield. Cornfield cafe. cafe. Cornfield. That's where you can also pick up our latest Lake Life Weekend uh, magazine. Awesome! Nice. You can do basically everything, everything there. <laughs> you can also do your laundry. <laughs> you can have an ice cream cone. You can buy a new dock. It's fantastic! They have it's fantastic. They have and they have gas. And you can buy zebra shoes. They show. have gas too. Yeah, yeah. and they have gas. So, so you can buy a bucket. It's coming in a little bucket with a with a so um, brush and all yeah, that the stuff. Whole yeah, the kit. So we decided to make. For the for this first generation of the product, we decided to make it into a kit. We, 
slash holly decided to make it into a kit that you can buy it's a buck it's a three gallon bucket that has the paint and all the supplies that you need for painting so you can take it to your uh, lift backyard and or your lift and dock let's and talk how it's applied like how does it work so i have that bucket so, it's a two comp- so you, you if you open the bucket there is so exciting when you open the bucket <laughs> yes there is there are two quarts of the product is a two component so there are two quart cans of the product there is a mix it ca- and mix it cup so you can mix the the paint that you need there and then there is a, another kit inside with paint brushes and uh, and uh, other supplies to clean the surface so everything you need to apply it and to prepare the surface of it of the docks and then and you, the you pour it together and you put it together it? mix part a part you, b you yep. mix them you mix them uh, for a little bit usually a couple minutes and then you are ready to and then you're you ready to paint and then you brush it on on the, on the lift on yep. the on the submerged part of the lift yeah. right so for the legs so or the or the what you say the horizontal yeah. booms and and stuff like that you can even do b- uh, bottom of pa- of boats if you want or the pontoons if you if you want to because in it protects from uh, from the water immersion so it, it keeps the metal uh, outside uh, non-oxidized so those ugly uh, black stripes uh, or when it gets all white there, and chalky and <coughs> it protects from that as well because yeah, it doesn't do that i'm a co- uh, w- uh, my specialty is corrosion so i come from the protective side of it and so we we made a very durable paint and so there are no other um, so all the legs uh, Help me here. The, the, the yeah, you just everything under the water. Everything that is under the water. You, put under the water. Water. you just put one But coat. one thing. Do not paint the stairs that you use to go, to go down. Exactly. Because that's very slippery. So do not. <laughs> we want How to do avoid. you protect those? You put a mat on it? or they No, just you just wooden. walk on it. You just yeah. use it enough that they, it disturbs the yeah, water yeah. around them. You know, if the water is disturbed, they don't settle in. Oh, okay. You know. If you, you yes. If you're yeah. not out there. If you're out there, like, we're just take a little brush, brush and em. just sort of brush your steps and then they can't okay. grow. Yeah. So uh, you but apply it once you apply at the beginning once. of the season yep. and then I take it out. It's frozen over the winter on my yep. shore. Mm-hmm. You and should be able I to use it another season. Okay, but like yep. at season three, I can just, I have to prime it. Do I have to take and it all down? Or season, it season three, uh, season three, you can recoat on the top of it. Clean Same it, procedure. Wipe it down, Clean yeah. it a little bit. We provide. Uh, we have very very nice wipes that uh, make the surface prepared to receive paint as an adhesion promoter. Now we are collaborating with a company that makes them for the aircraft market. So we are making that. You one get as the well. good stuff. We get the good <laughs> stuff. And so you can paint over it, or if you are a purist, you strip it down. If you really care you about your down, dock legs. And you go down to metal and you, are, uh, you apply. Um, we did a lot of testing on uh, on how it gets removed. And so you can remove it with c- very commercial um, removers that you can find. Mm. Oh. That you can find at the hardware store and then... Uh, but that's then toxic again. No, right. no, no. The the stri- the stripper might be a little might be a little toxic, but you can it is used only to remove the paint. Mm. Uh, that's how if uh, you know a lot of times if you can just clean it and recoat it, it the, the the place where it would matter to people is on their boats. If they're putting it on the bottom of their boat or the bottom of their pontoon, um, 
and that and then it's just completely aesthetic thing like if you for some reason but fouling paints in general paints that keep gunk off the bottom of your boat that's just not a common thing in fresh water because before zebra mussels there really weren't a lot of things mm. i mean it gets maybe yucky from the water or from algae or something but there weren't barnacles mm. whereas in and it was more the oxidation yeah right? the, like the white powdery that but people didn't see. necessarily coat their boats for that but in salt water they do all the time because they have barnacles and all kinds of stuff they're dealing with and they don't want to cause drag and slow their boat down and have it all gunked up but all of those coatings are colored and this is sort of a clear coating so it's nice because you have a nice shiny boat a nice shiny pontoon you put it on and it keeps it nice and shiny you don't have to put like a black gunky stuff on the bottom, you know. Yeah, so there's some purists who care about the dark, bottom of their boat. Very dark, matte. Yeah. Black or matte gray. Uh, this is clearish. This is a clear. clear. It's like a. It's like a. Uh, what's the word? Cloudy. A little, cloudy. It's a little kind cloudy, of like a cloudy but it clear. Keeps, yeah. But it keeps the gray of the aluminum. The aluminum gone. So, uh, circling back to the zebra invasion, like you, do you feel? Do you know? Do you think? Um, that it's impossible for us to eliminate zebra mussels? Like, that is not our objective anymore? I mean, because... Well, I'm not an we expert in, uh, in uh, invasive species, but for what, for what I see, for, the mo for what I see, nature has to develop a natural predator because the, to treat a big body of water with a poison is probably not, at least in my opinion, is not a very good thing to do, even if these poisons are natural. Mm. We don't really, we don't really know how the other environment or the yeah. other fish will do, and so that's why we took. That's why, in, in my mind, we took that route of not letting them stick. Um, I know that there are fish that eat the little larvae, but the problem is that they uh, that they reproduce in so much big numbers that it that they are very fast for the for the rest of the environment of the lake to catch up. So I don't know. Um, I think it, de it depends how much uh, how much in invasive we want to be on the invasive species. <laughs> Interesting. And, and to see... Uh, One thing I'm going to interject is yes. that zebra mussels need a hard surface to stick to before they can reproduce. They can't like reproduce like while they're floating around. Right. Okay. They a rock, another, even another zebra muscle, muscle or another native muscle they can stick to it if it's got a hard shell they can stick to anything hard but they have to stick to something before they reproduce they can't just like float around and then okay you know, whatever. and they hatch also yeah um so if you have a lake like pelican and it has 1100 homes and you're thinking 1100 docks probably about 2000 boats and stuff lifts that's thousands of surfaces that wouldn't naturally be in the lake. Right. That they could stick to. If they were limited to maybe e rocks. Maybe rocks. Or, or, or even or, a hard or sticks, sandy bottom, which sticks. some lakes have, then they can stick to the hard sandy bottom. But if they were limited to the lake versus three, 4,000 man-made objects that they could stick to and reproduce... So we are allowing, we're actually providing We're the providing service, a lot of habitat for them. <laughs> That's right, the a lot muscle. of little zebra muscle hotels And we also, there. yeah, we also took them here because they are, they the are native from the, from the Northern Sea. Yeah. You know, so, and they found a good, good environment in the freshwater of North America. But With the boats that when they came. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, That's how we brought them here, but like now we, we host them. Now we host them, and of course they still, 
was still transporting them around. I mean, that's how they move from lake to lake. Right. They've said, are they, the, it's, is it the birds or is it the, sure. no, it's people in their boats. Really? Clean your boats, people. It's the ballast water that doesn't get emptied and then, you know, goes out in the next lake. Or the fishing, the bait bucket that people carry from one lake to the next. And because the little zebra mussels are pretty tiny and their villagers, their little babies are really tiny, like yes, tiny very, little. Very yeah. And now they are they are spawning right now. This week yeah, is the perfect. Yeah, we saw some. They're this week is the perfect uh, <laughs> uh, time for them to to spawn because they spawn around 70 to 80 degree. In okay. 70 to 80 degree. 80 is actually maybe too hot. 50. They start. Yeah, they start about 55 degrees and they kind of peak temperature. at like 60. Right, water. Yeah. 68. Yeah, I was, I 70 was degrees. About 70. Yeah, and so air, this last week because it's been so cold this spring. This last week was like perfect time. We were out. Um, we were out on Cormorant, Pelican, Lida, Melissa, um, looking at sites this last week. And we saw around the rocks, places that have little rocks submerged, it'd be like a ring around the rock. And then there was a piece of concrete, just like one top of a concrete block. And it was just moving, wiggling with little baby villagers. It looks like the little shells of the zebra mussels, they're only about the size of your thumbnail. Little shells open and it looks like clear, like a sack, snot coming out of the zebra top of the zebra muscle, and that's kind of the the birthing the vehicle. Yeah, <laughs> the biologists out there are like, "Lady, this is not how it's described, but this is what it looks like." This is what we saw. Yeah. And then <laughs> those little like clear little pouches, like kind of like erupt, and the things just go everywhere, and the whole block was just slimy. With these, like, they call it microscopic, but I'm like, they're not microscopic. I can see them with my eyes. They're, they're very, very tiny very, and they're kind of clear, but you can the see them whittling all over the place. Really? When they're multiplying like crazy. Yeah. So, so if, like, they, oh. if they don't have the chance to attach to that, or we can, or if we can minimize the solid attachment places. Yeah. You know? We can, we can maybe. And that's first thing in the spring. So if it's coated, or the other thing is you could even coat it in the fall. Like this fall, you could pull it out, clean it, if it had any zebra mussels or any gunk on it, clean your stuff. And it'll be fine all winter, sitting out in the cold, and then just put it in the spring, you know, it's ready to go. Um, oh, and then they'll miss this whole because our season of, of, you know, yeah. Our original tests were on, on docks that were going back and forth. They were not recorded. They were left on the on the, on shore, the shore all winter, all winter, and then put them back in. And they so lasted multiple seasons. Yeah. It it goes up and down. The zebra mussel problem also is like any other animal. The population will be really high one year, and people will kind of freak out. And then the next year, it'll seem like really low, and it could be their side of the lake isn't as bad. The currents, the weather, mm -hmm. who knows what? And then they'll say, oh, I don't think it's that bad. And then the next year, it'll be like terrible. So. Uh, it's hard and it's to very know, subjective too. Some homeowners are yeah. more sub uh, are more alarmed than others, and hmm. it depends. Yes. Well, but that they are here, it's a fact. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they are here. <laughs> and actually, uh, Harry, my son, cut his foot last year. Yeah, that's another that's huge problem. problem. Yeah, it, they're sharp. They are sharp. So um, definitely, if 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 you play a lot on your shore with your tools and things and you have kids around and you don't wear shoes or mm -hmm. like water, water sandals. Water shoes are kind of 
Yeah, they're yeah. so important. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, very interesting. So actually, one of the reviewers said, uh, as a joke, when they approved my grant and say, "P.S. What about inventing a new water sandal?" <laughs> he hates water sandals. Okay, yeah. yeah. that's the next thing. Next thing. <laughs> well, but it's very fascinating that out of our NDSU uh -huh. uh, bison uh, turf, uh, we um, were able to produce an invention that at least helps us um, control uh, mm -hmm. zebra mm, affection to our tools and uh, like equipment. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there's a solution which is. Uh, Available this year, exactly um, on the consumer it's market. It's one more tool for people to to use on the on the shore. Yeah. So yeah, I'm. Is there anything that we missed? Uh, uh, anything that you wanted to share no, about? I think, no, I think that it's uh, when we tell people that we are far away in our labs at NDSU, we are as far away from the ocean as we can get, but we have one of the more um, furnished labs for marine coatings in the country and so not only we work on fresh water but also we do a lot of well, a lot of uh, salt water marine and when we Research. tell that to people they are always <laughs> looking at us with big eyes because they expect that only the only the institutions on the coasts will do on the, the on the coast will do such to such work and so we like to tell the people like that yeah very fascinating. Yeah, I did not know it that is. about NDSU. Yeah, you're welcome to come. I'll show you around I would love next to. time. When you come. I'll bring you some zebra. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> yeah, bad joke. I know. I don't even have any in my What leg. is in this glass of water right yeah, now that lake you water. gave us? Yeah, lake yeah. Water. <laughs> I see some wiggling. Yeah. No, yeah. just kidding. Right. It's nice and pure. No, fascinating. And you already told us. Usually I ask what you do uh, or how do you experience lake life. And I heard that you are boat owners and mm -hmm. uh, uh, you, oh, is there anything else? What do you really enjoy about lake life or the lakes? Was I grew up fishing, so I've, I really would like to do a little bit more of that, but I really enjoy coming this way from Fargo with a couple of friends and spending the afternoon. I like doing afternoons toward the, toward the evening. And when you're on the boat, it's always very good to see the sunset. Ah, yeah, okay. I like that. Okay, and you, Holly? Oh yeah, the smell of the lake, nothing beats that, especially after a long winter. <laughs> That's the best. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, so you both go swim though? Yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> very good. Well, cool, thank you very much for coming. And I think whoever is interested will find uh, Zebra Shield. Uh, yeah. Google is very quick with that, it's mm -hmm. zebrashield.com. Very <laughs> yeah, easy, right. I found it. Yeah, find it. Um, yeah. thank, thank you, you for much. having us and giving us the chance to do this. Yeah, yeah. I hope everybody enjoys the lake <laughs> life this summer. Yes. Yeah, thank you. Have a good weekend ahead. You too. Yeah, this was already our uh, newest episode of the Lake Life Weekend podcast. We sure hope you enjoyed it. Uh, tune in again next week with another great guest and updates. Always check out our website, uh, lakelifeweekend.com. And if you have some comments, please feel free to email us at hello at lakelifeweekend.com. And uh, you have a wonderful weekend ahead. Uh,